Um, I lost. I didn't lose. I threw away my I Got Tipsy at Tootsie Cup. Oh, no. During my move. Oh, no. I think. That's sad. I know. It's okay. Welcome, everyone, to Bottomless Broadway, where we talk musicals over mimosas. We've gone through a good majority of this season's Tony-eligible musicals, so I hope everyone's ready for Tony season because we're going to talk predictions. Should we do, like, a five words on this season Ooh, or something? Um, I'm not prepared, but sure. You're not supposed to be prepared. <laughs> okay. Um, very wide variety of shit. Is it really less commercial? Mm, that's good. Because everyone was mad about last year's for being that way. And this year's is too. It's just like the movies or whatever are older. And for some reason as a society, we're like, the older your shit is, the more artsy <laughs> we'll consider it. Yeah. I think it's the idea of more modern shit being like too much of a cash grab of like, oh, this is still super popular, let's jump on this, rather than being like, let's bring back an old classic for new generations. Um, so I guess that's the difference. I mean, Okay, so just to recap, the musicals this season that have gotten at least one Tony nomination are Hadestown, Ain't Too Proud, Tootsie, Beetlejuice, Oklahoma, The Prom, Kiss Me Kate, The Share Show, King Kong, and Be More Chill in descending order of nomination. All right, well, so we're going to go through musicals. And um, we'll try to talk about the play categories as well, but we haven't actually seen all the plays. Um, so we'll just see where we go. So first up is lighting design for a musical, which is um, the nominees are The Share Show, Ain't Too Proud, Town, King Kong, and Beetlejuice. Yeah. So this one, we have a united front for. Right. right? So lighting, we both agree on Town. Just like the way that they use the light in conjunction with like the turntables like in actual Hades Town, as in not the play but the location is very cool I mean I think it's just that like um Hades Town definitely uses uses light specifically also to tell a story like it's it's almost like a set piece in that aspect and I don't think any of the other shows like I mean we haven't seen Ain't Too Proud I mean, or King Kong wait but... for me it's straight up yeah a set piece so I think the fact that it's utilized so specifically in the show is probably what it, the main thing it has for that. And the other ones are just like, you can see things now. So for play, there's Ink, Gary, Fairyman, To Kill a Mockingbird, and Network, of which between the two of us, we've seen Ink, Fairyman, and Network. Ink had some cool things because um, they have like a unit set and then they just like light different parts of the set and stuff. So I could see... We basically know nothing about this category. So I'll just say ink is possible and we'll move on. Yeah. All right. Sound design of a musical. Beetlejuice, King Kong, Ain't Too Proud, Oklahoma, and Hades Town. I think it would be Oklahoma or Hades Town. I'm going to go with Ain't Too Proud because I have no clue what sound design means. I just, I just can't give anything to Oklahoma <sighs> on a morality basis <laughs> um but so all right so i guess we don't really feel strongly about any of what we want to win so i guess those are just our predictions for the most part but sound design of a play um we do kind of yeah i mean choir boy is the only one where they actually have like integrated music they actually have some singing in ink but like it's more like scene transition singing 
Okay, so there's Ink, Mockingbird, Choir Boy, Fairy Man Network. Um, Choir Boy is like one of those things that I'm like, this definitely could have been a musical. Um, although, so it's kind of weird because when they sing, it's mostly a cappella with like a lot of like stomping and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's more like in between scene changes, they play like hip hop and stuff. Um, so it's done weirdly. Is the acapella gonna not count as sound design or? Well, no, because it's still like mics that have to pick it up. Like sound design is basically like adjusting mic levels and how, where, which speakers should play like what sounds and like how loud and stuff like that. Okay, then I think it did really well. Costume design for a musical. We have Hadestown, Beetlejuice, Tootsie, Share Show, and Ain't Too Proud. Which I think this is also, we agree on this, and my pick is the Share Show. Yeah, because, like, Bob Mackie's not Broadway. They were literally, they literally brought him back for this. Like, (laughs) why would they not give it to him just to be rude? He did a whole costume parade. Like, if that's not asking for a Tony, I don't know what is. It was probably like the easiest job of his life. He was like, all right, I'm going to bring up some old sketches, tailor them a little, bam, like a million bucks to my bank account. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so for play, we have Fairyman, Bernhard Hamlet, Torch Song, Gary, and To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, I really wish I saw Torch Song um, because we've only, we've only seen two out of this category, basically. I mean, Bernhard Hamlet like, came out of nowhere. And the fact that I think it got a nomination when it was closed for so long, I think that says something. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Like, costumes just seem like they play so much less of a role in musicals. I mean, in plays compared to musicals that it's, like, not something I really notice. Bernhard Hamlet did just win the costume design for uh, Drama Desk. Yeah, and didn't you say that, like, trolling the forums, there were a lot of people siding for Bernhard Hamlet? Um, yeah, so I guess that's a sign. <laughs> I just know so little about fashion design that I, like, don't know what constitutes good costumes because definitely in Bernhardt Hamlet there were, like, both, like, 1800s French and Shakespearean outfits. But because um, Janet Turner was, like, playing Hamlet, like a guy, and Hamlet's not that exciting fashionably. He just wears black and mopes. Um that I was never like, oh, wow, this is crazy. But I guess there are, like, costumes because it's also, like, a play-within-a-play kind of play, <laughs> which is, like, the third one this season or what? I mean, so there's Kiss Me, Kate, and Tootsie and this one. Mm-hmm. Is there, Are there any more show-within-a-show stuff? Um, the Share Show, kind of, but they basically got rid of that concept. Network is, like, I guess if you count them filming it. Oh, yeah, Network, technically. All right. Well, scenic design. Finally, shit that we care a little bit about. (laughs) Okay. Scenic design of a musical. We have Ain't Too Proud, King Kong, Hadestown, Oklahoma, and Beetlejuice. And we both were in hopes of Beetlejuice. Yeah. I think just based on everything I've heard about it, because I still haven't seen it yet, it seems like the most likely. And maybe they'll just be like, Beetlejuice isn't winning anything else. Here's a Tony. What's David Korn's history? He did Hamilton. He did Dear Evan Hansen. Um, so he's, you know, pretty big. And I mean, I think if it's not Beetlejuice, it'll be Hadestown, just because, like, 
the whole part where they go into Hades Town, the place, and like the set just like breaks apart basically, and the turntables and all that. Is scenic design considering um uh what is it called props? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, because you know how I said like in Beetlejuice they recreated all the mm-hmm. Dale Banner boat puppets. Yeah. I guess. Um, and that couldn't have been easy. All right. Short conversations. <laughs> um, best scenic design of a play. Peeps. We have To Kill a Mockingbird, Ink, Ferryman, Gary, and Network. I think it could be Network just because of how innovative it is with all the screens and the recording and all that stuff. But I could also yeah. see them being like, well, this isn't a real like scenic design, you know, kind of like snobs. So... At this point, we've seen a number of screened plays on Broadway now, including Durban Hansen and Lifespan of a Fact, or shows, I guess, mm-hmm. not plays. Um, but Network didn't do it exactly like that, or even Oklahoma had a screen, frankly. Um, but like Network, um, because it was actually a, a TV show, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't always... I don't know, because, like, the way that they used it in, like, Lifespan and David Hansen was very straightforward, where they were, like, this is what's happening, like, among on social media, right? right? But, like, the screen and network was used really differently. It wasn't always showing what was on stage, but it sometimes was, and sometimes it was showing something different for you to focus on instead of what was going on on stage. And then when he told everyone to scream, like, I'm sick of this world, or whatever, what was that? I'm mad as hell, and I'm, and I can't take it anymore. Yeah, they also kind of used that as like another kind of like Darren Henson style thing where they were like, look, everyone around the world is responding to this. Um, but it was used in so many ways. It was a very like efficient screen. I don't know enough about all of them to say with certainty. Like Fairyman was one of those um, one set plays. The only kind of cool thing was that the ceiling was lopsided. There was like a slant ceiling and then there was like a giant ass staircase on one side of it that went up to the mysterious second floor where only the baby cries and nothing else happens. <laughs> All right, let's move on to categories we kind of care about. Best orchestration. Hades Town, Kiss Me Kate, Oklahoma, Tootsie, and Ain't Too Proud. So I've seen three of these five shows. And of the three I've seen, I'd say Hades Town probably. I don't know what the original orchestrations for Kiss Me Kate were like, um, so I can't really compare them. And I did like Tootsie's orchestrations, but that was just because they had a real orchestra. Um, but I think Hades Town did a pretty good job with like having their band members on stage, having them like play on the stage. So yeah, Hades Town. I mean, the trombone player alone just. Like, whoever wrote that part, just, I don't know if he was trying to kill the trombone player or whatever, but that was great. Right. Well, because they chose to do a jazz musical and then not have a full-size orchestra and just be like, oh, we have one brass player. Here you go. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I do kind of wish they had a bigger orchestra because I feel like that would have helped. But, like, I think with the orchestra that they chose to do, then it they did work that out pretty well. Did Jersey Boys win orchestration? I, like, don't know the history of jukebox musicals and orchestration. There seem to be people raving about Ain't Too Proud enough that we can't get tickets to it. <laughs> like, what about it is good? Maybe it's the orchestration. I don't know. I mean, I think, so Jersey Boys did get nominated for orchestrations, but it did not win. All right, then fuck that. Nothing's better than Jersey Boys, <laughs> so let's go with Hades Town. I think, 
Yeah. I think what will win will actually be Oklahoma just because it's such a different orchestra than what Oklahoma used to be. And so then that's why the same number of people people are really impressed by that and that like sort of quote unquote authentic country sound. And I think they'll give that the award. Um the, the I think I read an interview with fucking this guy, um, Daniel Kluger. Um, and he was like, the minimalist orchestra gives a more exposed sound. I'm like, are you creating an orchestra or building apartments in Brooklyn? Like, the fuck are you talking about? Um, so choreography, we have Choir Boy. Kiss Me Kate, Tootsie, Hadestown, and Ain't Too Proud. Um, I mean, I think, having just seen Kiss Me Kate, I think Kiss Me Kate should win. I think by a long shot. Yeah. Mostly just because of Cordon Blue. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just like... all the dance, and like every, almost every scene, even if it doesn't have dance, the way that the ensemble moves is in a like dance-like fashion. I mean, Hadestown did win the Cheetah Rivera Award for dance i think and i can see why they did that because a lot of the movement in hadestown and dance is sort of integrated into the storytelling but i think just the amount of work and actual like sort of classical dance that goes into the show like kiss me kate should win i think the choreography is the part of kiss me kate where it's like the most clear that this is a revival because it just it has like the dance has that feeling and it has so much like so many different types of dance like at the very beginning when they do that kind of like ballet number when everyone's just like moving around the backstage and they're like okay let's rehearse mm-hmm. this and there's just like four people dancing off to the side but there's like still other shit going right. on um and like there's special dance numbers that are for dancing only like if the choreography wasn't there no one needed the song yeah. kind of stuff you know like the wash base and stuff and it's too darn hot mm-hmm. um it's like yeah there were like special numbers just for ensemble members to show off dance whereas like nothing else really had that right as much. and also i mean it's basically like carousel of last year like carousel was the revival they brought in like a big dance guy to choreograph and they won so i think this both will and should win yeah all right so we're finally off to the actors now Mm -hmm. um featured actor in a musical all right so who do we have we have andre de shields for hadestown andy gordelution for tootsie patrick page for hadestown jeremy pope for ain't too proud and ephraim sykes for ain't too proud um, so not seeing Ain't Too Proud has apparently shut us out of 40% of this category. Yeah. The one show that we didn't see. Right. Um, I mean, I honestly don't think either of them will realistically win. So we can just... I mean, you said that historically when a show has two nominations, something's going to win. So the only one that's really not going to win yeah. is Andy. Which, like, shout out to Andy. He was great, but also, like... It's okay. You'll have another shot. He was he was good, but he didn't do that much. He didn't do enough. Compared to, like, Andre DeShields, like, he does so yeah. much. Which, I I think Andre DeShields will win. Um, I think he deserves to win. Yeah. 
I still have a soft spot for Patrick Page. Patrick Page also just doesn't so do that much, much though. He he gets the virtue yeah, of being he had the potential on Broadway. Like no one else is doing what he's doing, but he doesn't do much. He just has to like stand there and talk super lowly and it's like here's a Tony nomination. But like, is he ever gonna get to do it again? How many roles are like that? Yeah, that's true. And they could have utilized him more. They could have. They didn't. Because I think he can do more. He's a pretty good actor. Yeah. Um, but that's more of the writing than the actor itself. But I think Andre de Shields also, because his first sentence in his Playbill bio is like, with a career spanning more than 50 years, and he's never won a Tony Award. And so I think also people will try to like honor that. What has he done on Broadway before? His big role was The Wiz. Okay. But he's done, like, a few other things as well. I I like his parts in the songs, but I don't remember being obsessed with him when I went to see the show. He's a very low-key, like, because he's always there. Um, and so, and he does, like, sort of bring you through the show. And so, yeah, I think he just, between his history and the fact that he does more than Patrick Page, I think he would win. All right. I mean, I still want Patrick Page to win, personally, because he's fantastic. I don't remember him doing that little. When I went to see the show, remember, I was still debating, like, oh, is Persephone and Hades the actual lead actors? So I feel like I remember thinking that he did I mean, he just, like, walks around and poses a lot. Like, Persephone definitely does a lot. And so I feel like because of Persephone, you might kind of associate Hades with that. But also, I think Persephone uh, does a lot, because Persephone and Hades both do quite a bit in the ensemble songs, but if you look at the playbill for, like, the track list, there's a lot of stuff where it'll say, it'll call out even Nobuzada and Reeve Carney, like, you know, like, in the Who's the Song By column mm -hmm. of, like, the track list, whereas they don't really write down Patrick Page or Amber Gray ever that much, because they don't really have a lot of solos but they're doing a lot in um, the ensemble songs. But the so thing remember? is, Patrick Page isn't even doing the ensemble songs. Like, Amber Not Gray, she's, like, always in the scene, at least. But Patrick Page kind of just, like, he sits at the top of the, those, like, stairs a lot, and then he, like, comes down sometimes. But, like, okay. he just, like, isn't as involved in the main scene as much. I don't agree. Um, because, Pat, so Amber... So Amber Gray has like two main solos as far as I remember, which is Living It Up on Top and Our Lady of the Underground. Right. Then she sings basically half of Chant and half of Chant 2. Mm -hmm. um, and also like, and I thought she did so much in Way Down Hades Town because she has quite a presence. But if you listen to the soundtrack, Way Down Hades Town is actually right. But movies. I mean, like best um, actor, like best performer is not just based on like how much they sing too. Yeah, yeah. But like, so, but Hades Town, I mean, Hades is in. Um, um, Songbird, Chips Whoa. Are Down. Well, he's Barbie not Bumble really Wall, in Chips Are Down. The chance. He's in most of Act 2 because it's at his house. Right. I, I feel like he was there plenty. I just think, like, first of all, like, I feel like his song parts weren't as intricate or, like, hard. Like, he spoke saying a lot. Like, in, in um, Why We Build the Wall, like, he didn't really sing much of it. He was just there to be, like, 
why do we build the wall, my children? But my, he had but, so you know. much presence. That was like a highlight of him for me. Like he I did mean, so well in that song. Yeah, but I feel like it just was a very simple role. Like anyone with that voice could have kind of done that. I don't know. I think having any sense of um, like melodic ability, if you have that voice, is difficult. Okay. But I don't think that's his natural speaking voice either. Not entirely, but his natural speaking voice is pretty low. Yeah. Or if it's not, then he just milks it all the time. (laughs) I don't know. Which is good for him, because it's fucking beautiful. If we, like, don't consider the couples as a unit, I think it is possible for Amber Gray to be a lead. But I feel like Patrick Page, his role would be more featured. But if they had chosen to put Amber Gray as lead then they would have also put Patrick Page as lead just because they like to have that sort of, like, balance. I really don't think um, Amber Gray did more than even Nobozada. I just think she does have a lot of presence that, like, everyone noticed her more. Because right. Mary sings a fuck ton of songs. Yeah, but she doesn't feel like a lead character, though. Because you know? her character's not interesting. But that doesn't... I think, like, she's still I mean, it's like It's like the time. same thing as, um, as Prom with Beth Lovell versus yeah. Caitlin Kinnunen. Like... Even though Caitlyn might be on stage more or, like, you know, like, leading us through the story, she doesn't feel like a lead character, partially because her character just doesn't do much, but also because just the way that it's laid out, like, it it just doesn't present I, her as a lead. I agree. So, but that's why I feel like Hadestown, I mean, like, Hades probably wasn't actually that much less present than... Um, Persephone, it's just that Amber Grey has such presence, because Eurydice sings a fuck ton of songs, and so does Orpheus, but their characters are so bland that, like, coming out of the show, I was like, this is just Persephone's show. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I mean, I'm just team Patrick Page, but <laughs> I I can see him not winning. Um, actress, though, I mean, we've basically already revealed how we feel. Yeah. Um, but I think really this quick, is Amber Grey's to Alright, but... First, there's Uli Cooper from Tootsie, Amber Gray in Hadestown, Sarah Styles in Tootsie, Ali Stroke in Oklahoma, and Mary Tyson in Oklahoma. I asked you if Sarah Styles was nominated today, and you said she wasn't. Oh, I thought you were talking about Stephanie Styles. Just kidding. Those are two people, huh? Yes. <laughs> JK. Those are All two right, different then. people. Um, wow. Well, then I can't believe this one got named nominated, not the other one, because I like Stephanie I... Styles actually would have thought that I didn't expect Lily Cooper to be nominated. I would have loved Stephanie Styles in this category. Yeah. Um, I would have actually cared a little more, but <laughs> basically Amber Gray. If she doesn't win, like I'm just I'm mm, I'm going to be like as mad as when band sweep sweeped everything last year. <laughs> I will go the, down with this ship. The only one that I've seen um talked about is possibly Ali Stroker. Uh, people yeah. have been saying she could have a chance, but I think this is still Amber Gray's. So I was like, maybe they'll give her the award because, like, she's so brave doing everything. But also, like, it's not really, like, her first time in the spotlight, so I feel like maybe they won't do that. Okay, you know? yeah. Because she's already very famous and very talented, but it's not like this is the first time everyone's heard of her and been like, oh my god, she's in a wheelchair and she sings, because she's been doing that amazingly forever. Yeah. I mean, she started so, on the Glee Project, and so she was on TV for a bit, and she was in the um, 
Deaf West Spring Awakening revival. But this is this is her first prime like um what's it called? Her first principal role. So that might be why. Yeah, but also like no one really talks about her besides I can't say no. So I mean that's her main song, so yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And she doesn't like as her character doesn't do as much as Persephone does either. Mm-hmm. Um, Amber Gray is in an interview. She mentioned like, "Oh, I never thought I'd be on Broadway because my voice type just mm-hmm. isn't the kind that you would hear on Broadway." But yeah. But oddly, she's an amazing actor. Like even when um, she's like singing on morning shows without sets and acting and stuff, she's the only person that's like still bouncing as if she wants the choreography to come out of her. Uh-huh. And she's like so into that like stage thing that it would be weird if she was just a singer or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But also, remember I told you how she was the original Lori in Oklahoma in like a super old version of it. So. Mm-hmm. She has been getting stage work. Um, Which would have been great, because <laughs> we need a new fucking Lori. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, she would have made it better, I'm sure. She would have made everything better. <laughs> I want to see her in every role possible. Like, She she needs a cabaret act. Um, one of her yeah. interviews also, she was talking about how she really wants to sing Flowers, and she just like practices it, like, quote, unquote. She's like, just in case one day they ask me to sing Flowers. And I was like, like, I've been for a year to see out. Do you want to do this song? (laughs) Just play both roles. It's fine. But um, I would see that. She was like, maybe I'll do it in a cabaret. So I would go see that cabaret. Featured actor in a play? Yes. So we have Bertie Cobble in Ink, Robin De Jesus in Boys in the Band, Gideon Glick, To Kill a Mockingbird, Brandon, Uranowitz, Burn This, Benjamin Walker, All My Sons. Cool. So I've only seen Boys in the Band, and I don't have any feelings about Robin Jesus. So what do you think? <laughs> uh, so I've seen Ink and Burn This as well. I was actually kind of surprised that Robin de Jesus was the one to get nominated from Boys in the Band. I thought it would be Zachary Quinto or maybe Jim Parsons, but I think Jim Parsons was leading. So once they announced that, I was like, it's not going to be Jim Parsons. Um, mm. But um, Brandon Uranowitz and Robin de Jesus have kind of similar roles in their perspective plays because Brandon Uranowitz is like the gay best friend who's there as like comic relief, which he did well, but I don't honestly think it takes a lot of skill to do that well besides just being gay. Um, and so like I just didn't think there was anything special about that. Um, mm-hmm. I really did like Bertie Carvel in Ink. I think he really... Imbu- he had this, like, hunchback this whole time. Kind of like the Dear Evan Hansen hunchback, but he's, like, this, like, media mogul in a suit, so it's, like, kind of menacing. And he has this, like, very um, specific voice tick. And What's so, his role? Uh, as Rupert Murdoch. So Rupert Murdoch is the, like, guy who owns the sun, and he's, like, the, um, the menace- menacing... Um, foreman of the newspaper essentially so he just like comes and he's like these are all goals like get me this done and then he leaves but okay but also like he is based on a real person and so he did do his research for that i guess i mean i don't know what the real rupert murdoch does in his behaviors but i think Mm -hmm. he did really well um all right i have no opinion on this (laughs) okay (laughs) So, featured actress in a play. All right, so we have Fiona Flanagan in Ferryman, Celia Keenan-Bolger in To Kill a Mockingbird, Christine Nielsen in Gary, Julie White in Gary, and Ruth Wilson in King Lear. Honestly, everything I've seen is, like, Celia Keenan-Bolger's gonna win it, so I'm down to go with that. 
I feel bad because who, you know, all the people in Ferryman and um, King Lear have to give up like 200 minutes of their life <laughs> every day. <laughs> they should at least win something just for that. I wonder if they get paid more for longer shows. <laughs> I mean, we don't get charged more, so I doubt it. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, well. I mean, I heard... Well, Ruth Wilson is interesting because she was the only nominee for King Lear. Like, King Lear got one nomination. It was Ruth Wilson. And... Maybe they'll give it to her to be (laughs) Yeah. I've heard she's really good in it. But um, Celia Keenan-Bolger also benefits from the sort of, like, Tony version of tech debt where, like, a lot of people thought she was going to win for Glass Menagerie a few years ago. And she didn't. And she's been doing, like, a lot of really great work on Broadway. And... (laughs) Tech debt. It's the Tony's version of tech debt. I'm shocked that Glenda Jackson didn't get a nom. Yeah, that was a big thing. But also, she's gotten super mixed reviews on her King Lear, which is interesting. Yeah. Also, King Lear is closing like on Tony night. Oh, well. I guess they can finish their last matinee, watch the Tonys, and then get hammered. Yeah. Go to the after party. Exactly. And everyone else will be like, I gotta get up at 5.30pm tomorrow. (laughs) Alright, whatever. Direction. Okay, so best direction of a musical. We have Rachel Chavkin for Hadestown, Scott Ellis for Tootsie, Daniel Fish for Oklahoma, Des Makinoff for Ain't Too Proud, and Casey Nicola for Prom. Rachel Chavkin for Hadestown. This bitch has been working on this musical for a decade. Yeah, I think she... She's had a 10 years to perfect her direction. <laughs> I think she both will and should win. Um, and also, she also benefits from the Tony debt of not getting great comment, I think. Which, that year, I have a lot of feelings about, but it's okay, we're past that. Um, I think the only real competitor is Daniel Fish for Oklahoma, because he was the whole... He was the one that conceived the whole notion of this like redesigned Oklahoma. But I don't think that would override how much Rachel Chavkin has done for the show. So I think it's still going to be her. And she's also the only woman in this category. And people have been discussing that a lot. Because it's the only show where director, um, book, and songwriter are all Females. Girls. Yeah. Really two girls because um, <laughs> Anais Mitchell did everything else. But, like, apparently it's the first show in a while on Broadway yeah. that has a female director and book writer and songwriter. So, best direction of a play. Um, yeah, for a play. We have Rupert Gould for Inc., Sam Mendes, Ferryman, Bartlett Shear for To Kill a Mockingbird, Iva Van Hove for Network, and George C. Wolfe for Gary. I almost want to say Ferryman. I just feel like it did so well in West End. It's got to win something here. I think it could, yeah. I think... Well, here's how I think it might shake down, like, in the possibilities. I don't think Anchor Networker is going to win this. Um, Fairyman, I think, has the best shot to kill a mockingbird. I think they might do that just because it wasn't nominated for best play. So they might be like, oh, Mm -hmm. like, the director is, like, the next guy up, right? Um, But maybe it's just not that good. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, and then Gary... It's such a wild concept that maybe they're like, yo, this guy, like, did a great job with this wild concept, even though half the people that have seen it still don't understand the concept, but, like, this was a wild show, so, like, 
he did what he could. Here's a Tony. But... I'm really worried for To Kill a Mockingbird because I feel like for it to not get nominated was, like, a big thing. This is the play that released, like, a full year worth of tickets into the future. And plays never do that. Like, To Kill a Mockingbird not getting nominated is the equivalent of Moulin Rouge not getting nominated next year. Yeah. And it didn't get nominated, so maybe it just sucks. As far as direction, I think... I mean, I'd put my bet on Sam Mendes for Ferryman. Same. All right. I liked Ferryman, but I can't tell you why I liked it. And when I can't tell you, it's because of a specific actor or something. I just assume it's direction, because I don't know what directors have to go through to make something Honestly, that probably (laughs) makes a lot of sense. Like, if it's not songs, and if it's not specific actors, and it's not just, like... Yeah, if it's not songs or specific actors, it's probably just the director. So. All right, cool. All right, so, score. Um, we have Be More Chill, Joe Iconis, Beetlejuice, Eddie Perfect, Hades Town, Nice Mitchell, The Prom, Matthew Scar, and Chad Beglin, To Kill a Mockingbird, Adam Guttel, Tootsie, David Yasbeck. Cool. So I think we can strike off To Kill a Mockingbird right away. Well, okay. Like let's just, <laughs> that was let's just jump to the chase. What even let's happened? Just the chase, and it's gonna be Hades. Why is it there? Why is it okay? So this there? was a shocking category for nominations because uh-huh. it's supposed to only get five nominations. It got six, which means the bottom two tied. I think the bottom three were probably Be More Chill, Beetlejuice, and To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, so I don't know which two were the ones that actually tied. I'm gonna. Yeah, I don't know which two. So here's what probably happened. Like, there were a hundred votes to get out, and between Hades Town, The Prom, and Tootsie, they took out like 97 <laughs> of them. And then Be More Chill, Beetlejuice, and To Kill Mockingbird each got one, and they're like, well, fuck, I guess we have to do this now. I bet that's what happened. <laughs> I'd believe that. <laughs> but. Yeah. So yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird has incidental music. Adam Gettle has written actual um, musicals before, or like he's written Light in the Piazza, which was how he- Kelly O'Hara was discovered, fun fact. Um, wow. And also he's the grandson of Richard Rogers, like the Rogers and Hammerstein Rogers. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I don't, like, I don't think a play has ever won in best score category. So, <laughs> And Hadestown is just... Music that Hades Town is literally like the band's visit of this year, except we like it. Joe Iconis looked so happy when we ran into him, and when I was stalking him with my eyeballs, I was like, <laughs> You should really be a little more sad because your show is messed up, man. <laughs> when I was stalking him with my eyeballs, <laughs> when I was looking at him, I was thinking, He should really look a bit sadder, he should be like sad drinking at a bar not happy drinking at a bar he got but. his tony nomination so i guess that's his happy drinking right basically hades town um if like the score is probably the best part of the musical yeah. entirely um, i don't even think any other show comes close to taking it away from hades town but it's kind of like what i said earlier it's like you know when i said that like kiss me kate has special numbers just for the dance Hades Town really has special numbers just because the songs were good and not because it was needed or even for the actors to show off because even Obazada has plenty of range to show off but they really just put songs in because they're like this is a good song yeah best book of a musical Ain't Too Proud Dominique Morisot with mm-hmm. Beetlejuice Scott Brown and Anthony King 
Hadestown, Anais Mitchell, The Prom, Bob Martin, and Chad Beglin, Tootsie, Robert Horn. So Beetlejuice can just fuck off. I My pick is Tootsie. Yeah. But. What was, like, what's the general consensus? Is it Tootsie? I think, I think Tootsie. Because not only did he, like, adapt a movie and into a version that people like and is, <clears throat> like, actually updated and is relevant. He's also, like, super funny. And <laughs> the book was, like, the best part of Tootsie besides, like, Santino Fontana. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's the general consensus. I think the prom could possibly take it but it's a fairly distant second i'm like convinced by your opinions that hades town won't win but i still like the plot a lot and i'm still like amazed by more of all like the clever quirky things that happen throughout the plot Mm -hmm. um with like all the rattlesnake analogy and just how they did the myths mm-hmm. um i'm into weird shit like that i just don't like the way it was structured and structure comes from the book like so if you have a sung through like les mis if it's sung through and it has no like spoken script then the book is really the structure of the show and like how it moves through the storytelling and the way that they did it in hadestown especially the first act i just was not a fan of but I feel like that could have been, like, to me it seemed like it was written badly, but I could also see it in a way where that was written purposely like that, and that was just the kind of structure they wanted, but I just, it didn't work for me. I I liked it. I don't know. I mean, I think I still just like the overarching thing, but it's just so cool that, like, they thought of all the things they thought about where they were like, oh, I can bring back spring, and then Persephone does come back, and then she leaves, and it's just, like, this such, like, a natural flow of conflict that's, like, predictable because you know the myth, but almost not predictable because you're like, oh, wait, what's happening now? And, like, it just all, like, fits together so nicely up until the very end when, like, they come full circle. Yeah. Um, I also don't know anything about the book of Ain't Too Proud either, um... I think it's basically, like, Dominique Morso is a very well-respected playwright for her off-Broadway work. I think this is her first Broadway show. But, um, um, I don't think it's anything that's like, wow, this is changing the game, you know? Mm. I mean, they got an actual black playwright to write the black jukebox musical, so I guess that makes sense. Uh, but they didn't get a girl to write share. <laughs> yeah, that they fucked up on. Would they? Yeah, they really did. Um, all right. Well, so I guess probably Tootsie. Yeah. Okay. Mm, are we on Bye. actors now? Yep. Hey yo, finding the important shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but the shit that people want to hear about. The um, shit that's going to be televised. Exactly. That was so sad, the amount of stuff that wasn't televised. I didn't realize... Yeah. Also made going but, to the Tony so damn long. We just sat there forever. <laughs> yeah, because the actual Tony Awards are four hours. Like, it's only televised for three hours, but the actual awards are four hours long. So, 
But then we they had all to, the other shit to get through. We were in line to get in like an hour before even like the non televised portion started because yeah. they wanted us in there seated before all the famous people came in. So we were basically there for a long ass time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, anywho, um, performance by an actor in a leading role in a musical. Uh, we have already talked about this so much. <laughs> but, okay, hold on. The nominations are Brooks Ashman, because from The Prom, yeah. Derek Baskin, Auntie Proud, Alex Brightman, Beetlejuice, Damon Dua, Down. Damon. Duano. Duano yeah. from Oklahoma, and Santino Fontana from Tootsie. It's gonna be Santino. Yeah. He it just, plays it, a woman it well. has to be. Brooks is just Brooks is not the Beth level equivalent. He doesn't do nearly as yeah, much. Yeah, okay. He's like he's he, if he weren't paired up with like in this like symmetry thing, he should be a featured actor. We still don't know. Ain't too proud. I think Alex Brightman carries like eighty percent of Beetlejuice, but that show's just fucked. Um, I'm not on board, Carly. I don't care how good Damon is. I'm nope. No Curly. No Oklahoma. And he is to be Orpheus. Yeah, I think he would be a fine Orpheus, to be honest. Um, but not Curly. Santino's gonna win it. Like, whatever. Santino Fontana is a wild name. He sounds like two different sparkling waters. (laughs) 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 Two different sparkling waters. Best performance by an actress in a leading role in a musical. I actually think this category got a lot more interesting now that we've seeing Kiss Me Kate. Kate. Yeah. Exactly. Because um, you mean, were like, everyone wants Stephanie J. Block. I... Okay, well, first of all, nominations. Stephanie J. Block, The Share Show. Um, Caitlin Knoonan, The Prom. Yeah. Beth Level, The Prom. Ivano Bozzato, The Prom. Kelly O'Hara, Kiss Me Kate. <laughs> you just said Ivano Bozzato, The Prom. Ivano Bozzato, Hades Town. Okay. Basically, I think we just, like, wife The Prom. Which, again, isn't going to follow your thing with... if. Two people get nominated, one of them's going to win, but they don't do that much. Whatever. I mean, it's not like they purposely seek that out, just, like, in history. It's a shock that they both passed into the nominations to me. I really did not expect Caitlyn to get nominated. Me neither. Beth was just, like, too much of a presence to not get nominated. Mm -hmm. But, um... But also, she's kind of just herself, so... Yeah. (laughs) So, we can't award her for that. There's been other people that have done that, so, like, That's true. Um, I still think it will be Stephanie J. Block, um, but Kelly O'Hara was really good. Killed it today. Yeah. And, like, a lot of people have complained about her comedy, but I found no issues with that. And her vibrato. Yeah. And, like, right before the end of Act 1, when she's, like, Pissing off the flutist? Yeah. And then the gang's, like, the mob guy comes... Does he, like, shoot the flutist? And they all, no, they're all, like... No, it's supposed to be a bird, I think. And that's why there were feathers. Oh, I literally thought... Oh, so she was trying to outsing a bird. I thought she was trying to outsing <laughs> the flutist. And the mafia guy came and shot the flutist. And everyone was like, this is fine. We'll continue with the show. <laughs> I think the flutist was supposed to be a bird. Okay. Well... Still, she tried outsing a flute, and she pretty much did. Yeah. I was like, "How much higher can this woman go?" And it's yeah. not like it's not like the kind of high where you're expecting from like Wicked, where it's like kind of just like damaging your voice, voice high. She still is like maintaining this like really full 
timbre when she's going super high and it's like such a pretty voice it's like and it's so controlled when she's doing the scales and everything Uh um she's amazing and i just like her more than stephanie j block because you know what first of all stephanie j block splits a role with two other people so she doesn't do as much and second of all like the Cher show songs are all pop songs and they're just not as difficult as the kiss me kate songs Mm -hmm. even if Cher is a really good singer so um, yeah you know I think the reason I think Stephanie J. Block will still win um, is because she's doing an impression of Cher, and it's a really spot-on impression. Um, and I think that might be harder acting-wise than like coming to this character with, you know, your own take on it, like what Kelly O'Hara is doing. And so last time when Beautiful opened, Kelly O'Hara was in Bridges of Madison County, and that was also a role that she got like super positive reviews for like everyone like they were like this is her role like she's she's gonna win the tony this time because it was like her fifth nomination without getting a tony award but then um jesse mueller won for beautiful and so i think i think sometimes um the tony voters just appreciate impressions more than like original characters not that this is an original character but well, yeah. here's my issue with that, because um, in Beautiful, Carol King is in her role the whole time, but because the share show is a three-person, like a three-share show, the oldest share really narrates a lot more than she actually acts. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that she even does that much as an actor. She's primarily narrating her younger selves, which is just like standing there and talking with a share-esque voice. Yeah. I feel like she pulls some pretty heavy weight in um, the second act, but I see your point. And, like, she, maybe she'll, like, act for 20 seconds. Like, she's, like, painting the living room. She's, like, oh, she's, like, acting out her fa- happy family. And then she, like, acts for 20 seconds and then jumps back into her narrating role. And I don't mm-hmm. like that. Like, to me, like, I can do that. Right. Um, but I think this is also another, like, history legacy role thing where Stephanie J. Block has never won a Tony. Kelly O'Hara basically just won hers. I- two years ago, I think, for um, King and I. And so I think it's like, like the Tonys are just going to be like, well, it's Stephanie's turn. Like, Kelly just won one. Like, Stephanie J. Block, she was nominated last year for Falsettos. She was, um, she was the original Workshop Alphaba. She, like, she's done a ton of shit. But you said yourself that Kelly O'Hara has never been a comedian, and she's really trying out a new role this time. And yeah, that's true. she should be commended for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so before we saw Kiss Me, Kate, I thought this was, like, Stephanie J. Blocks to win, like, whatever. Like, no one cares. But then, yeah, Kelly O'Hara was super good. I think, I mean, if I were to pick, I think I would pick Kelly O'Hara. Same. But I think Stephanie J. Block will end up winning. All right. Well, this see. is probably, like, one of the first clear things where we're, like, we have a strong we want and yeah. the strong there will be what will happen. I do just <laughs> want to say, like, Ava Novozada, she has, like, this incredible voice. I also don't know if she knows how to not belt, like, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but she's got great things coming her way after Town, and she will win a Tony eventually. But, like, this is not the year. I think she's also kind of got screwed over by her characterization she just yeah i can't tell if it's her acting or the writing i think it might be a bit of both but eurydice is bland she acts so much better than reeve though like 
You she think is. so? I think oh, Reeves yeah. okay. I mean, he's serviceable, but I, I think, think she I brings think you more just don't emotion like, into it. I think you don't like Orpheus as a character, so maybe you think Oliver is cringy, but I think his like nervous awkwardness is like good acting. I don't know. I feel like just like she was I mean, she doesn't act the character like decisions. You know, if that like she doesn't act through the character, but like in individual scenes, I feel like she acts in the scene better. But she doesn't like have a through arc with her character, not that her character really has one, and so I think that might be the weak point. I'm not sure I would put her above Reeve even. Like for singing, obviously, but I don't know if I would for acting. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, plays. We we actually have thoughts on this because <laughs> because we're basic bitches when it comes to plays, so we only care about the basic bitch categories. Yeah. <laughs> um, best performance by an actor in a leading role in a play. We have Patty Considine, The Ferryman, Brian Cranston, Network, Jeff Daniels, To Kill a Mockingbird, Adam Driver, Burn This, and Jeremy Pope, Choir Boy. Like, class to this boy for getting nominated twice in one season. Yeah. Because what the fuck? It's going to be Brian Cranston. Which I'm not at all upset about, so. Brian Cranston is another one of those roles, kind of like Alex Brightman, where he carries 80% of the show, except he's actually really good and the show's actually really good. (laughs) He is on stage so much. Like, I've never seen the network, so I don't know, like, how big of a role Howard Beale is in the movie. Um... But he's basically the whole show in the play. Yeah. Um, anything for Patty that's comparable? I don't know. And I think it all comes down to me not caring enough or not knowing enough about the Irish Revolution because there is they don't really, like, reveal his history or anything until the very end. And I feel like people that know the history probably could have predicted it. Um, uh-huh. But the whole time I was watching, well, at least for like the first half that I was watching it, I was like, um, I don't know why he's so angsty. Like, I don't know what's going on. And so, like, my like mentality is just all fucked up in terms of judging his acting because for the gotcha. longest time I was like, I don't know what he's supposed to be playing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, not sure, but I'm I mean, I think in- originally before nominations even came out, everyone was like, oh, this race is going to be down between Brian Cranston and Jeff Daniels. Um, okay. But also, Network is, like, the Brian Cranston show. Like, if you didn't have Brian Cranston, just don't even do Network. Um, and he's, like, the only good thing about that. Well, I mean, not the only good thing, but, like, the reason you go to the show, the performance to see, like, even though we like the set and stuff, you wouldn't go to the Network just to see the set. You would go to see Brian Cranston's performance. And it's, like, to the point where literally Network didn't do performances for a week because Brian Cranston, like, took a vacation. So. Oh, wow. (laughs) That show is built around him. Like, he negotiated um, an extension in his contract because he, like, the show originally was closing, like, way earlier than this. And he was like, yo, I did my eight shows a week. I only want seven now. So now he has Tuesdays off as well. And and he's done every single performance, like, never called out. So does someone fill in for him or...? No, like, they just only do seven performances a week. Wow. That's, like, that's missing out on a lot of potential revenue. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. Uh, all right. And actress in a play. Um, our nominees are Annette Benning, Laura Donnelly, Elaine May, Janet McTeer, Laurie McCaff, and Heidi Shrek. Is her name really yep. Shrek? Yep. Impressive. I did like Janet McTeer a lot, but I think I'd have to go with Lane May. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also surprising because it's another six nominee category. So Who's at the bottom? Tied. I think, honestly, maybe Janet McTeer just because her play was so long ago. And, mm. like, it just didn't have that lasting impact that Waverly Gallery seems to have. But she's a big name, Janet McTeer. That's, yeah. Okay, so I actually had this, like, misconstrued opinion of All My Sons that it was bad because I only read the New York Times review. But apparently, like, every single other review loved it except for Jesse Green, who I think was the one that read the New York Times review. So, I don't know anymore. I mean, yeah, I think it'll be Elaine May. I Heidi Shrek might be the closest, but I think it would be a far... Oh, well, maybe Annette Benning, because she, I think, has gotten good reviews, but... Heidi Shrek, they might decide to give it to her just because she, like, conceived the whole show. And it's it's basically a one-woman show that has more than one woman in it. Um, all but right. But I think it all, still was going to be Elaine May. Elaine May is three years shy of 90. And I'm pretty sure that bitch still did eight shows a week. Yeah. Um, and she did it through the whole thing. People were literally, like... Go see this during previews. Go see this as soon as it comes out because Elaine May might collapse like two weeks into <laughs> it and then they'll have to replace it or they'll have to close down or they'll have to use her understudy and we're all going to be fucked. So go see it now. And then she lived through it. She didn't miss shit. She didn't get sick. She didn't break anything. She was freaking amazing and she is on stage for so much of the show. Like I can't imagine how tired she must be because my grandma is like, I bought a cucumber today and I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I had to walk to the grocery store. I'm like, okay, like, I'm sorry. Call your son and have him bring it to you then. <laughs> Anyways, I also, like, so I've watched a grandparent, like, go through this, like, dementia deterioration thing. So I think that's why I was, like, so attached to it. But her acting is so, like, realistic to me. Yeah. Um, and how she goes from mildly demented to completely... <laughs> Um, is incredibly well done. She's so subtle in how she changes the character scene by scene to show this deterioration. Um, And it's just amazing, like, at her age, that she still has all this energy and talent and motivation um, Mm -hmm. because, like, every facial expression is on point and, like, I can't control that even, so... Right. And she deserves it. I don't think it'll just be because she's old. She was amazing. Um... Yeah, but, like, the being old will be the extra bump that, like, secures her win. Best revival of a play. We have All My Sons, Boys in the Band, Burn This, Torch Song, and Waverly Gallery. So I think on that note, I'd probably go with Waverly Gallery as well for the show. Right. I think it is probably going to win. I think the only caveat is Boys in the Band. Really? Um. I was not impressed, yeah. and it was so long ago. Um, well, okay, so that's part of the reason, is, like, they obviously, like, they've been doing some press, and they've been, like, reminding people Netflix that they exist. special. Yeah, they've been, like, reminding people that they exist, because they got, like, two nominations 
for like a show that literally was the first show to open. Um, like I think it was open before the Tonys even. Yeah, it was literally. They were doing performances before the Tonys even happened. Kind of like Frankie and Johnny is now. Right. But also, I think it was never on Broadway before. I'm checking this right now just to make sure. But I don't think it was... I think it started out as an off-Broadway show. So, the thing for me is that I'm really shocked that it even got nominated. Because it didn't really have the ring of a play that would get nominated. It was a limited run, star-studded cast, and then it ended and everyone went back to Hollywood. So, it was like a lifespan of a fact situation to me. I was like, this isn't going to get nominated. Yeah. It's like not a Broadway, Broadway thing. It's like a Hollywood, yeah. Broadway thing, so, you know? Uh-huh. Um, well, so the reason why I think it could have a possibility of winning, it was originally off-Broadway for like one run, mm-hmm. and then it was like never done again. Like it never made it to Broadway except for last year. So mm-hmm. that was the only time it's been on Broadway. It was like a revival for its 50th anniversary Mm. Um, and it's, like, I mean, it's, like, a play about, like, the gay experience in, um, that time period, which was, I don't remember what year it was set in, um, maybe the 60s, but, um, and it's, like, a, a play that's very personal to a lot of people, but not, it's not something that, like, we would understand in that way, you know? So, we'll go with Waverly Gallery. Um, cause I, th- I think it will still win besides the boys in the band thing, but that's my one like asterisk. And I guess we don't have crazy strong feelings otherwise, but best revival of a musical I do. I mean, I just hate Oklahoma. So we never reviewed revival musicals on this, um, podcast yet because we've been focusing on, um, the new musicals because there's so many of them and there's only two this season and everyone's crazy for Oklahoma because it's so reimagined and it first showed in Brooklyn and it has a very Brooklyn-esque feel to it so if you're a New Yorker that likes that I mean maybe but like they just tried to modernize it in like the weirdest ways possible I feel like they modernized everything they didn't have to and did not modernize everything they actually did have to um like they didn't you know like it really like I don't want Broadway shows to be crazy political or anything but like of all the shows this season like Oklahoma had like the biggest platform to talk more about gun control um and I don't know but like instead it like modernized the the orchestra it modernized the choreography um, with a still very, like, old-school um, storytelling format and very, very old plot. And I just hated it. It felt like a jigsaw puzzle. Um, I hated the lighting, as you know. Like, if you light the audience, that's not a show. I did not pay for a carnival. Um, there was no set. I guess, like, maybe, like, that's just the whole Brooklyn thing. They're like, we're trying to go minimalistic. But, like... It's Broadway. I don't want minimalistic. And you can do minimalistic in other ways. Like, like Band's Visit did minimalistic better than Oklahoma. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. Maybe I was tired that day, but I was so bored. If I didn't need it to do Tony predictions, I probably would have walked out during intermission. Also because they were giving out free food. Um... 
I'm shocked that like it's well, no, like New York Times gave it very positive reviews, but it also barely gave it reviews because it was just like, look at our old off-Broadway Brooklyn review. And then not all critics were as positive as they were. So I don't, I don't really know if it was that crazy well-received. I just, I can't, like, there's so many shows where I'm like, I didn't like this, but I can see why it's liked. I can't see why this is liked. Like, this is one of the worst things I've seen on Broadway and off-Broadway and on West End and off-West End. Like, out of the 75 shows I've seen, this is probably one of the worst. Like, just the crappiest. Like, lower than the shows that I paid 15 pounds to see in London. I could not believe how bad this was. Mm. Yeah. All right, so like, your pick is obviously Kiss Me, uh, Kate. <laughs> yeah. Um, even if Kiss Me, Kate wasn't great, which I actually did like it a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, same. I mean, I think Kiss Me, Kate, the main people that don't like it are the people that are very attached to the original, which, um, because the main two thing, well, I mean, they updated the book to be, like, more feminist-friendly. Um, they, like, took out... I revised a lot of that, like, spanking scene, because I think Freddie was supposed to, like, be a lot more aggressive and, like, actually spank her more. Which is weird, because they made um, the general this, like, toxic masculinity character, so how is Freddie going to be the same and win her over? And so, like, in the original show, I, I don't think the general was as bad in the original show, but I don't remember. Yeah, Kiss Me Kate tried to update for the era, but a lot of it was a little cringy. Like, the dig on King Kong kind of bombed, almost no one laughed. And then also the general being like, guns don't kill people, and all that stuff was like, I actually thought that a little was funny too hard. Because then the gangster was like, we do, even though he was like under, um, in disguise. I mean, I love the gangsters, but I feel like, I mean... I think, like, the Harrison Howell was supposed to be a caricature of a character in right. this show. I don't know how he is in the original Kiss Me Kate, but he's literally just supposed to be this, like, Trump supporter of a caricature, basically. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, because none of, like, the other characters weren't caricatures. I actually think that, like, Freddie Graham was fleshed out decently. So I feel like, like, you can have shows where, like, you pick out certain um people to be caricatures but it didn't feel like that Harrison Howell should have been one because I wanted him to pose real threat to Freddie and so right. and also because like, oh, no well, one else not. in the show is really a caricature um yeah so you can't just have a ton of fleshed out characters and then one like super two-dimensional one yeah so that's why like I feel like his character update into just this like Trump guy um like didn't like it was very cringe for me because it was like I, I get that you're making a political statement here but like this was not done that thoughtfully right um yeah but i was just mini kiss me kate review here basically yeah <laughs> since we never did one um mm-hmm. yeah uh bringing it back to the tonys i mean i honestly think oklahoma is just gonna win it since i've only seen 50 percent in the category i don't know if i can Say but which also, one I want like, to win, but. you know, there's so much talk about that because Oklahoma, like, changed so much without actually changing the book or music mm-hmm. itself. It's so cool. 
But, like, in terms of reimagining um, a revival, like, okay, neither of them come close to Once on this Island, so I think that just because Once on this Island, um, you know, was so well-received for its reimagining doesn't necessarily mean that for, like, Broadway, like, the Tony Awards from here and into the future will choose revivals because of the reimagining. I mean, last Mm -hmm. year, everyone thought that My Fair Lady was going to win, and Once on this Island was kind of like a dark horse, and yeah, I think it deserved to win for its all its reimagining, but that's because it really did a good job. And I don't think something should just win because it was the only show, a revival musical this year, that did a lot of reimagining because I don't think it was reimagined well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really have my fingers crossed for Kiss Me, Kate. Like, not a lot of hope, but, like, I mm-hmm. liked it. I don't like it a lot because I don't think I'm into a lot of these, um, like cutesy shows like kiss me kate waitress my fair lady lily's shows basically mm-hmm. not my thing um but compared to oklahoma i liked it i and this is my like mini review of kiss me kate i liked it a lot more than i thought it would because um hello dolly the revival even though it was like a great production of it i just like was not interested in that kind of like old school comedy show really like I didn't find myself as engaged by it like the crowd was like lapping it up and I just was like I'm not feeling the same energy as the crowd is feeling but for Kiss Mm -hmm. Me Kate I was actually sort of like on board with the rest of the audience for um quite a bit of it and I feel like Mm -hmm. I don't know maybe the jokes are more relevant it's like more energetic it's like more and maybe that also has a lot to do with the choreography and stuff too because Hello Dolly, like, only really had, like, waiters gallop and stuff. Actually, I mean, whatever. Hello Dolly had a dancing 75-year-old. What more do you want? Yeah. I think it was the same choreographer, too, actually. Um, Which, fun fact, he's also choreographing Music Man, and he's, like, um, Hugh Jackman's personal choreographer for Hugh Jackman's, like, concert tour, so... He's... Oh, he dropped the ball for Hello Dolly. <laughs> well, actually, not really. Hello Dolly had fine choreography. Just yeah, but it wasn't as integrated like as, it. like, Kiss Me Kate into yeah. the full show. Um, for sure. But, yeah, so, like, I just thought it was very... And, like, like I sort of mentioned, if I hadn't known the previous versions of Kiss Me Kate, I, like, didn't notice the book changes at all. Like, it wasn't... Mm. Besides the ones that you mentioned that were, like, glaringly obviously for this time, time because they were, like, references made post um, whenever Kiss Me Kate first premiered. It, like, seemed pretty seamless. Um, I would have been like, wow, that's, like, you know, it's a musical that's still kind like, I wouldn't say relevant, but still resonates today. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I think all the actors did a great job with it. So, I enjoyed it. Yeah, same. And, I mean, it didn't get a set nomination, but it had a pretty cool set. I like the slamming doors and everything. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, of the two dressing rooms. Yeah, uh, not just that. Like, the dressing room doors were cool, but then, like, the doors on the set for the Taming of the, sh- the, taming oh, of the Shoe mm-hmm. um, was, like, when she kept opening the, the door to the bar. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And there were a lot of, like, there were a lot of scenic changes. I think as a whole, it was, like, a well-thought-out show. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a, like, good production overall. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. All right. Well, that's our 
depressing thoughts on this. <laughs> so now we get to the good categories. Best play. Um, and we have Choir Boy, Fairyman, Gary, Inc., and What the Constitution Means to Me. I feel like we need to give it to Fairyman out of respect for West End. I honestly don't think any of the other... Did you... Like, if you were to pick, did you like Choir Boy or, better than Fairyman? I would say that I enjoyed it just as much, but it didn't feel as substantial. Like, watching it, I was like, oh, like, this is... I didn't even expect it to get a nomination, even though I liked it, because it just had, like, the vibe of one of those shows that don't get nominated. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is life's been of the fact. Like, uh-huh. it's just one of those things that's like, this is good, but it's not, like, substantial enough. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um... Yeah, because the only one I've seen of these is Ink, which I really enjoyed. And mm-hmm. I mean, if it, if Maybe I, it'll surprise us. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be like best play material, but I don't think it'll beat the hype for Ferryman or like, I think what the Constitution means to me also has a good shot, um, because it is so different from, um, like what your traditional play is like. It was a Pulitzer finalist, um, so that definitely gives it some, like, oomph. And then it won, I think, Outer Critics Circle and um, Drama League Awards or something. It won at least one of them. Also, I know people who, like, don't like it on principle as a play because they don't think it is a play. They're like, it's like a TED Talk about this woman talking about her life and then other people also do things. So, mm. I can see how that might, like, detract from it. I still think Fairyman is going to win, just because most mm. people that have seen it have just been, like, raving about it and been, like... Anyways, so, back to the Fairyman. Not that it's not good, but I would say, like, a fifth of the reason why it sweeped West End is because it's UK history. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that they need to apologize for, essentially. So... Like, if it wasn't conceived on West End, like, if I, if it started in New York and didn't already have the hype coming from West End to support it, I'm not sure it would get nominated. I'm not sure if it would make it to on Broadway. No one would know the history behind it. Um, I think it'll win. Best musical top prize. <laughs> yep. All right, so we have Ain't Too Proud, Beetlejuice, Hadestown, Prom, and Tootsie. So the only one that we haven't seen is Ain't Too Proud, and the chance of it, chances of it are not that high, right? Yeah, I don't. We can basically think. strike out Beetlejuice as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the prom we knew was a dark horse when it came out last fall because it came out before everything else on this list. We were yeah. like, this was good, um, but weirdly, oh, critics are freaking out over it. When it came out, the reviews were good, but not like Hamilton good. And then yeah. now come award season, everyone's like, the prom should win best musical. I'm like, what? I, yeah, and we've, like, talked about this in our prom episode, but it, it just, like, it checks the boxes. It doesn't take it to the next level. I, like, I like it, but I don't love it. And I felt like I should like it more than I do, but I just don't. <laughs> so. And frankly, aside from, like, lesbian representation, um, as, like, if you take it at face value as like a high school musical with like high school drama prom drama 
Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. I don't think it was better than Mean Girls. Like, letting this one win this year is just like a slap in the face to Mean Girls. <laughs> it's a real new musical. That's the thing that it does have over Mean Girls. Yeah. Um, so. But, yeah, so, I mean, I honestly think ever since Town was really announced, this was Town's win. Like, I didn't need to see the show to know that. But I and, was so sure. But it got snubbed for everything on West End. Yeah, which was shocking. Um, and so, but, okay, so here's the thing with Town. like, all the hype for Town just, like, suddenly disappeared, I think, once Tony nomination, or Tony season started, because, like, everyone was like, oh, man, it's gonna be, like, Town winning this, this, and this, and, like, it's gonna walk away with at least, like, five awards, like, whatever. And then all of a sudden, in the past, like, month or so, I feel like everyone's been like, oh, but what about prom? Maybe it'll be a three-way race between prom, Tootsie, and Hadestown. Each one will take its own award. And I was like, I just cannot see a world where the prom wins best musical over Hadestown. Here's the thing. If they let prom win best musical, prom's going to start selling out, which it hasn't been. Mm-hmm. If they let Hadestown win best musical, nothing's going to change. Right. So, if but I don't know if that's a consideration for them. Broadway sales. Didn't oh, you say I see. most of the voters are like theater owners and stuff too? No, not most of them. Well, a very small percentage are road theater owners. So they would uh, like to have a best musical thing for things that don't have as much buzz. So things like band visits. So like that. Where yeah, but it's it's not a majority by any means. And I'm sure, like, I think, mm-hmm. like, the Nederlanders and stuff have Tony voters. Um, so, you know, some theater owners are represented in the Tony committee. But a lot of them are just, like, other artists, composers, producers, that kind of people. So, honestly, right. though, that could also give prom the edge because it's about them. <laughs> and so they yeah. might be the same kind of ilk as the critics where they're like, look, it's me. I love this show. Um, well, anyways, it would boost... It would boost sales, and I think yeah. even just by prom being the front runner on Ben Brantley and Jesse Green's predictions probably helped them out. Yeah. Um, but then but also, like, they're with all the press they've been doing, like, they're making a novel out of it, they're making a Netflix special. I actually don't know if the Netflix special would help or hurt sales, because if people are like, well, it's going to be on Netflix, like, why would they buy a ticket, you know? But they have mentioned Promise that the- having a Netflix yeah, Ryan Murphy oh. is doing both Boys in the Band and Prom. He oh. literally went to see Prom, and he, like, went to talk to the producers afterwards, and he was like, hi, can I put this on Netflix? And then that so, was about it. Wow. He, like, bought his okay, own well, ticket, too. They didn't even invite him to the show. I don't see Tootsie winning Best Musical. I see Tootsie winning Best Book, but Town just a full um, combination of everything because it's, like, so unique and so new and like so long time coming yeah if they're like trending the band's visit kind of direction too like um hadestown is the obvious pick um so i just don't understand where all these people came from being like the prom's gonna win but i do kind of see that that it has a chance Tootsie is so fun. I just don't think, like, the score packs a punch enough. And I know there's a best score category, but, like, score, I feel like, should still be a big factor in choosing a best musical. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Tweet us during the Tonys. Yeah, so um, check out our show notes. We will be putting up a link to a survey just 
um, to see how we're doing completely anonymously. You can like answer some questions. We just want to know what you guys think of the show, like anything you want to see improved for next season. Um, we'll probably be working on some stuff on the blog over the summer maybe. Um, but the next season won't really start until like January. Um, so make sure you subscribe to us or follow us on Twitter at bottomless If you have any questions or comments, you can always also email us at bottomlessbway at gmail.com. But other than that, thanks for listening and hope you enjoyed this season of Broadway shows. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Another broken, another show in Philly, Boston, or Baltimore.